0: Hello and welcome to our special bonus episode about COP26 here on ESG Matters at Ashurst. I'm Anna Marie Slott, Global ESG and Sustainability Partner, and I'm joined today by two of my colleagues who were also up in Glasgow with me. Ellie Reeves, our head of environment uh, here in our London office and a, a longstanding uh, ESG and sustainability-focused practitioner, and Lorraine Johnston in our FINREG team here again in London, but also very well-versed in uh, ESG and particularly the, the onslaught of ESG regulation that has been um, the norm in the last couple of years. So today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about what did we take away from being up at COP? What were some key ideas uh, that were, were floating around? What things could you be thinking about for your own businesses uh, and, and how to really action the ambitions people were talking about? So I guess from there, you know, this COP to me was an interesting one because of, you know, the very large – presence of the finance world in in it together with that diplomatic corps. so that they, they're evolved over the, the couple of weeks kind of an inside cop where the diplomats and 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 the people who were negotiating the actual terms of the next pact were working together and having presentations but there was also a very active and robust outside cop which was the green zone together with an enormous uh, variety of activities Outside of the blue zone, where you had everything from hubs that have been set up by the New York Times and and the UK Times to you know we went to a, a, a Net Zero Now presentation at at a brewery in in Glasgow. Who knew there was still a, a live brewery in Glasgow? Um, <clears throat> but maybe Lorraine, what what were your key takeaways then? I think that
1: that sums up really well. I think we did see financial institutions, lots of different financial institutions playing their part. Um, clearly, there was one day Finance Day, which I think was the, the Wednesday of the first week, if you if I remember correctly, um, that was dedicated to looking at how to use our financial system in order to support that transition to a net zero carbon economy um, that, that Rishi Sunak set out um, so clearly, and then was supported by GFANS and, and the statements from Mark Carney. In terms of Um, the financial institutions that were there, there was a little bit of of trepidation. Um, You know, COP had opened with Greta Thunberg sort of um, decrying sort of banks as being the destructors of our our future. And I think, you know, one of the, the, the points I would possibly make there is, I understand the sentiment there, but there's a little bit of immaturity around that statement, because as Mark Carney and as Rishi Sunak you know, clearly, made the case for you need the financial system to support that transition. You need the capital flows to be reoriented uh, reorientated towards um, those investments that are going to support um, uh, a net zero carbon economy. Um, it was great to see some big, sort of uh, well known banks within the green zone. Um, it was great to see some showcasing of. New product features, and for example, current accounts. Um, RBS were there showing their carbon footprint tracker for um, retail customers, as well as their support of SME businesses that are focusing um, on sustainability um, and, and sustainable products. So, so great opportunities there. And as you say, on on um, in in the sort of the sidelines on on the events uh, outside of both the blue and green zone. We saw a lot of really great discussion about how exactly that reorientation has to take place and what what we need to see um, basically
0: happen in action. No, exactly. And 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 what did you think about the kind of reorienting the finance markets overall? Did, do, do you think that there was enough said? I mean, we had Mark Carney and this fantastically enormous wall of money. Um, that's apparently ready to go. Um, wh- wh- kind of, wh- what do you think based on you know what we were seeing there? What do you, what was your takeaway on that one?
1: Look, I think there's there's definitely enthusiasm, and I think we are getting to the stage, and Ellie, you and I have spoken about this a lot, um, where there is an understanding of the need for attitudes to change. That this isn't just a nice to have or a tick box approach. We saw the announcement in relation to uh, new uh, sustainability disclosure requirements. They had already been trailed within um, the roadmap for greening finance prior to COP. Um, We also saw um, more detail around making transition plans mandatory. There was a little bit of noodling between what had been trailed and actually what we saw um, being announced on on Finance Day. So, for example, when when you look at the detail for um, transition plans, it says that you don't actually have to make your commitment net zero carbon. It can be somewhere along the path. And I think there's a little bit of disappointment there um, that it's more about actually just making any commitment rather than a, a net zero carbon commitment. Um, so look, the, there is definitely positive steps um, with the UK being in, um, in in the role of president. Um, I think it was really important for the UK and in particular um, Rishi Sunak to, to make a big deal about how um, the financial system would help support this, um, how it was going to be achieved, and, and I think you know the Mark Carney. Was it 130 trillion? No, um, yeah. You know that was always going to be the figure that that caught the headlines. Now we need to actually see how that capital um, gets gets utilised.
0: No, exactly, exactly. And and that takes you from the finance that first week to that second week, mm-hmm. which is you know uh, a lot of focus on well energy from the first week as well, but but also from the built environment and the infrastructure side. And mm-hmm. so on that kind of energy transition. Key and critical, of course, to the entire uh, process of trying to get to net zero is the complete transformation of the physical asset base of of the world's economies um, at speed and at scale. And then, and 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 that conversation kind of expanded on the second week into you know what does that look like in a built environment world? What does that look like in in a in an infra world? Um, Ellie, maybe from your side, what, what were your te-
2: takeaways kind of around those areas? Thanks, Annemarie. Well, I think one of the most exciting things to come out the Built Environment Day was the UK um, Green Building Council announcing its net zero whole carbon roadmap. And um, what, what's really um, interesting about that roadmap is that it sets an action plan for across the value chain for all stakeholders and if you are in any doubt about um, what you need to do, that is a fantastic place to start in terms of looking at um, the, the key measures which um, and, and also the collaboration that is needed um, to really drive forward your net zero objectives. So I'd say, you know, there was a lot of... Um, there's a lot, there's a lot there to, to be taking forward on the built environment. And also the contribution of cities. So a lot of the side events um, actually have some fantastic ideas um, being shared around how cities um, can start to um t- to collaborate, t- to share ideas, to move things forward. They have huge sort of stakeholder engagement opportunities. And um, you know, this is also. Of course, about the human interaction with the environment, and the impact on health and well-being, social value, and so all of this comes together um, with some really some really impactful ideas and, and opportunities to go forward. No, definitely. And I think that's the key point, right? So we
0: saw the cities, right? The cities had their own group, in fact, at the, at COP and in the Blue Zone having conversations. Um, you know, one of our previous um, podcast uh, attendees, Chris Castro, was there from Orlando talking about how Orlando is – you know, decarbonizing its entire grid? What are the cities doing? Um, and <clears throat> one of the events that I thought was really interesting was from Hitachi around innovation in Europe and an innovation forum that they did up, up in Glasgow, um, where they had kind of partnered up with Europe and with various other um, partners to look at, you know, what does that look like on a city level, right? How do you create a grid that can take in multiple types of energy at the same time? Right, because you will have lots of different types now. It, it won't be just the burning of fossil fuels. You'll have to have some combination of a, a variety of um, wind, uh, solar, hydrogen. In in England's case, you know that they're they're open to nuclear and have committed to to that. So so how does that work? I guess, what do you guys think? Just just in terms of do you, do you think people have more tools now than they had before COP to actually make this happen? I mean, there's a lot of talk, and a lot of people thinking, oh yeah, this is something I need to do, but I think still a lot of confusion about what, what to do next. So, a- any thoughts on that? So I think, so, so looking at, um,
1: you know, the area of, of my focus, financial services, um, and in particular on the buy side, on the fund manager side. I think we are seeing um, some real changes of foot. You know, we are seeing an absolute explosion of heads of sustainability. Um, we are seeing sort of... Um, Overhauls or uh, of governance frameworks, you know, to basically incorporate responsible investment policies or sustainability policies throughout organisations and throughout each of those sort of investment um, policies and, and and strategies that they they deal with within their house. Um, that is becoming more common, which makes it, you know, absolutely uh, from from my perspective, you can start to see that trickle down effect from the changes in regulation. The other thing I think I took from COP um, uh, COP26 and, and, and being there is that the regulatory parlance is now starting to infiltrate those discussions, you know, about the real assets, about the built environment. So things around about taxonomy, for example, things about you know, are you an Article Six, an Article Eight, an Article Nine fund? That's no longer just the language that I talk in. <laughs> That's the language that you know everyone that's kind of walking the streets is also starting to talk. So I think that's the sort of key takeaway for me.
2: It's the whole economy approach, isn't it? So it's, as you say, Lorraine, it's moving from the finance sector to, and you talk about the wall of capital and the, the reorientation of capital flow. Well, where's it going? And I think on on the flip side, we've now got corporate. See, so we've had the IPCC's um, report, which unequivocally explains how dire the situation is from a scientific perspective. There was very little um, debate around the science at at COP this year. That was a a real game changer. But we've also seen corporates um, driven by either mandatory disclosures, um, obligations through TCFD, or even just looking at what their risk mapping is going to be across their businesses and markets. Now, looking at this from board level, and starting to really think about fundamentally the climate-related financial risks which affect their businesses going forward, and that sort of drive is, I think, is a, has been a real change from from this COP and a key takeaway for me.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. I think that idea that it, it kind of it used to be the realm of scientists and 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 maybe some 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 policy people. And and I think now it's everyone's realm, right? The finance is in the is in the conversation. The companies themselves are in the conversation, which is you know key to it. You can't you can't leave anyone outside the door here because there's there is only one planet that we're all living on at the same time. And so um, I think it's that acknowledgement. I think the one thing that I was very happy with, despite the kind of last minute uh, language. Um, uh, changes that people have been focusing on quite a lot. The thing I was quite happy with is that the NDCs will be re-looked at next year. Not five years from now, but next year. And that, that focus on a 12-month timeline where people really need to get moving, I think was a, was a great shift. And the fact that, as you say, Ellie, everybody – Everybody was talking 1.5, and and there weren't that many people saying, "Oh, well, let's have a conversation about that." All right. Um, now that might be a self-selecting group because they were all at COP. Um, but but I think those things really kind of create a change in in how the wider whole economy, as you say, is is looking at um, at this solution. Um, any kind of, for, for, for our listeners, any like one thing that you'd want them to take away from, um, from what we, we experienced, anything you'd like to share? So what I would
1: hope, maybe um, slightly more aspirational, is that people take away that, that COP matters, um, that it wasn't just a talking shop and it wasn't just, um, um, you know, setting, for example, the NDCs. Um, it, it was something where we saw tangible changes come out, um, and it's now sort of time for action. And I think, you know, having had the pandemic and that 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 delay slightly, um, I think that makes it even more more important, basically.
2: Yeah, and, and just building on that, <clears throat> so we've got eight years <clears throat> to really make some some huge changes, and I think that those eight eight years are, you know, within at the moment we're all. Um, We're all geared up, ready to go. So as you say, Lorraine, we've got to convert it into action. And I think there's some fantastic ideas and innovation and opportunities which have been discussed in COP26 this year. So now it's about really getting on with it and integrating it into your businesses. I summarize it in three words, action, the ambition. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you both for your time. Uh, And and thank
0: you, everyone, for listening in. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you found it worthwhile. To learn more about the issues we've just covered, please visit ashurst.com forward slash podcasts. This 30 for Net Zero 30 episode is just one small part of our continuing podcast series, ESG Matters at Ashurst. Make sure you don't miss any of our future episodes by subscribing via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. While you're there, you can also listen to our other episodes and leave a rating or review. In the meantime, thanks again for listening and goodbye for now.